Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to talk more about collaborative world building? I mean, always, but... Um, Only if we do it together? Y- yes, you got it. Didn't we? Haven't yeah. we? Uh-huh. A deja vu? Nah, not so deja, not so vu. <laughs> just, but yes, we have done it before. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm your host who loves to collaborate about campaigns, Phil. And I am your other host who loves to collaborate about one-shots, Senda. So tonight's topic comes to us from Pterodactyl U, who asked us on Twitter, I just listened to the collaborative world building episode. Could you talk about that in a one shot? Background, I'm planning a one shot of Dresden and doing all the city prep myself seems sad, but doing all of it together would take too long. By the way, Pterodactyl U has gone to all remote classes for the rest of the semester. Yeah, Um, haven't we all? Yeah. um, Well, you know, um, uh, Brontosaurus U... Uh, wanted to keep classes open, but uh, now they're extinct. So <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there were some students in Pterodactyl U who were like, everything seems to be fine now. I think we've overreacted because, you know, the social distancing actually worked. Yes, of course. <laughs> So, Terror Dactyl U is referring to episode 171, where we talked about collaborative world building and talked about doing it during session zero as well as mid game. And all of that was pretty much implied that it was going to be a collaborative effort in a campaign, not so much for a one shot. Also, based on the fact that Terror Dactyl U was listening to episode 171, this note may have been lingering in the um, in the <laughs> topics pile. Might have been there for, for a, while. a little while. So a little bit. Sorry. Hope sorry, your Dresden little, one shot went yeah, well. The Dresden thing was fine. Um, <laughs> this will help you for your next one uh, tonight. So we're gonna so tonight we're gonna talk about uh, collaborative world building in terms of doing it for one shots, pretty much in the same way we did in episode one seventy one. Which, don't worry, you don't remember that because it was 30 episodes ago. Right, which is nearly a year. It's like two-thirds of a year. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, don't worry about the structure. It'll seem new to you, but just know that I went back to the show notes and pulled all that stuff out. <laughs> He's very proud of himself. So, Phil, can you give us a recap on collaborative world building, but now with a focus on one-shots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can just try to do this quickly, right? Let's start breaking it down with world building, right? World building is an activity where we we create details about the setting of the game, right? Mm-hmm. And we can do this for really large things, like the details for a country or a war, or we can do it for really small things, like little elements about an inn or something about the town that you're in in the middle of the game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Collaborative means that the job of world building is shared by the group and not designated to one person, which in many traditional games, that one person is often the GM. Mm-hmm. And there are a bunch, a whole bunch of reasons why collaborative world building is really good for any game. And we'll just list a few right here. Yeah. Increased creativity is one of them. 
And it's something that I certainly feel when it comes to doing this stuff, right? So when it comes to creative things, when you collaborate, it always makes things more interesting. And collaborative creativity will always push things out of people's comfort zones because we all think differently about stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Collaborative world building is also a form of love lettering, right? So by having players contribute to parts of the world, they're telling you things that they find interesting about the world uh, and most likely would like to encounter and deal with in the course of a game. Yeah. And then it's also less work for the GM, right? Because it actually reduces the workload on the GM because they don't have to come up with everything on their own or figure out what people are into, like we just said with love lettering. And that is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's increased emotional investment, right? So by having other people in the game create things that they're interested in, then they have a heightened emotional investment about the those things and then the game in general. Yeah. Okay, so going back to episode 171, 30 whole episodes ago, we talked about the usefulness of this technique in your campaign, but it's just as useful in one shot, though... We're going to recommend you do it a little differently for one-shots. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about using it when you're getting your one-shot started. And then, just like episode 171, I'm going to talk about how to use it when you are in the middle of running your one-shot. Mm-hmm. Cool. So let's start with the start of the game. Very good place to start. In campaigns, collaborative world building is something that you do to build out the campaign world itself, and then to provide a lot of different potential story hooks and things that you get to use in future sessions, right? You're, you're laying out like a whole minefield of stuff for people to start wandering through or to pick out, you know, what's the most interesting to start with, right? So the key difference here is that with a one-shot, you really need to be much more focused. The only thing that you're really concerned about with a one-shot are the things that are going to be used in the one-shot, this this game has no future. It's right. just a one shot. <laughs> this is it. This is it. Right? So the one caveat to that is if your goal is to flip this one shot into a campaign, right? Then your focus can be a bit broader. But we're not even going to talk about that tonight, right? We're just going to we're going to just keep it to we're going to keep it to one and done. Right? We're going to keep it to assuming that this is a one-shot, like a convention-style one-shot, right? Yeah, yeah. So your world-building then needs to only build the things that are of immediate use to your actual game that you're going to be running in this slot. There's a lot of different things you may need, but I think we can pretty much narrow it down to four kind of categories here that we're going to run through, right? Mm -hmm. So the first one being you are probably going to need some locations to be used in that adventure. Yeah, this is going to help create the major backdrops for where the action of this one shot is going to take place. In some ways, a location can also be an opposition, right? Like, so a tall mountain, a rushing river, that kind of thing. So in some ways, a location can double up and be not only a location, but also a little bit of opposition or challenge. Mm -hmm. The location could be where the characters start the game, right? So uh, we might ask the question, like, describe the bar that your crew hangs out in between jobs. You meet at an inn. (laughs) Yeah. And it might also be the thing that you collaboratively build might also be the location of the adventure or the job, depending on your, um, you know, terminology for your game. So, you know, I might ask something like, tell me about the Asher Orbital. Which of its many defenses do you think is the most terrifying? Right. 
I love that. <laughs> you might also be looking for character backgrounds, right? And and this is uh, this is building the world off of attaching the character to it. Yeah, and this is going to be information that's going to help the players kind of quickly invest and focus on who their characters are. And it may be something that you can pull into into later game, right? Like, like when it comes to character background stuff, it's kind of hit and miss. Like sometimes they'll say they'll just name something, and you're like, "Cool," and you don't need to pick it up and do anything else with it. But it's just a thing that they're kind of known for, right? Or they know now about their character. And other times they'll mention something, and you'll be like, "Hmm," and you'll like just like, jot that just down on an index card. Yeah, yep. write a note. I'm gonna pull that in later, which I mean, I'll talk about in just a few minutes. My experience with character background stuff as an improv DM is that I can juggle approximately one to three character backgrounds in terms of weaving them into my story per one shot. And yeah. I really can't do more than that unless yeah. they're like all related to each other. Right. I, like I don't even, I don't attempt to achieve this as much as I will throw some questions out there. And then if something really sticks, yeah, if something's really good, I'll just write it right down. And then other times it's just hit and miss. Like maybe all of a sudden mid game, I'll throw something in. Like I remember playing a lasers and feelings game and one of the characters had just broken up with their girlfriend. And then like, I immediately on the fly towards the start of the game decided that the rival, the rival group that was on the same site doing the same mission, the girlfriend was, I mean, um, of, I mean, of course, what else do you how do? Could right? You like, not. I yeah. mean, how do you resist that kind of dramatic Correct. temptation? Yeah, so that was a kind of thing where it was just like, okay, that was an interesting background tidbit from your character, and I could have just let it slide. But then I was like, in mid-game, I was like, no, that is, this this this, this scene right here too will, be, will be way better if the door opens and the girlfriend catches him snooping around <laughs> than rather than just some operative. Some mook, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. like, this, so the kind of question, because I just kind of, we've been doing questions for each of these, um, the kind of question, like, I might ask in a game is, like, tell me about your hometown. What is it best known for? Right. Or what is, what is the major export from your hometown? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I definitely dig that. Tell me about another one that we can uh, we could we can collab on. Yeah, I love doing this one too. You can collaborate on the opposition itself, which is an improv GM means I don't have to figure out all the details before I sit down at the table. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean I think that um, which call I love this right because it gives the players a little chance to love letter some of the things about the opposition that they're going to face because that makes it more exciting for them. More exciting, and it it tells you what they think is cool. Yeah, it also in a way. Like if they, you know, like if I'm making the fire mage, right, then I might decide that like this thing is made of ice or whatever. Like, you know, right. like I may, like I may make it my arch nemesis, right? right? Like, yeah, that kind of thing. So a question like I might ask is like, tell me about the Scarlet Sisterhood. What kind of crime uh, do they specialize in? Yeah. And then the the last one, and I love doing this one too, right, is you can ask them to build hooks for the adventure for you, right? Um, yes. So this is that thing where you as the GM then don't have to work at trying to get them to take the bait. You just say, why, like, here, here's the bait. Why are you going to take it? Explain it to me. This is the question you must answer. Yeah, in fact, I will actually say that 
if you do any of the collaboration above, yeah, this is this is the, this the one is the you one. should always do. <laughs> if you do none of the other ones and just wrote your own stuff, or you're going to make it up on the fly by yourself, at least collaborate do on the hook for the adventure. One. Yes, it makes such a better adventure when the players help define it. Again, you're playing a one shot, so as fast as you can get an emotional commitment to the plot of the game, yes, uh, the better it is. And one of the fastest ways to do that is for the player to basically tell you why they're invested in this. Right. And, um, and, and why their character based on their perception of their character, even if it's, even it's a, if it's a pre-gen, right? Yep. They're saying why their perception of their character would care about this. And it means they have to come up with a reason. Absolutely. The question I would normally ask for this, right, like some would be something along the lines of like, when did you know that your uncle Thaddeus was involved with the cult, right? Like that's a great lead. That's a great leading question, which we'll talk about in a second. For one of my probably more famous Hydro Hacker adventures, Redwater Blues. Yes. This hook is the way I emotionally invest all the players in the heist that is coming up, right? Like, why are you invested in this project to bring uh, pure water, blue water to babies, right? I know. And you get really interesting answers. I've answered it a lot of different ways myself, but my favorite ways have been not mine. My favorite ways have been things like Tony sitting down at your table and being like, I'm taking care of this baby. It's not mine, but I have to take care of it. Because its parents are dead. They were related to him somehow. I don't remember. Sister, I think. Yeah, it was his sister's baby. Yeah. Like, and he needed so, blue water for this baby. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, those kinds of answers, it, it creates that it creates that emotional bond. And like once that bond's in place, you got commitment to the story. And then that's what generates like productivity and follow through on yeah. the story. Like Commit- once these players yeah. are committed, like, no, no. We have to save this project. I have to get water for my for my nephew. Like, now we're going places. Yep. Yeah. And the key thing to notice about all of the questions that Phil was asking as uh, sample questions is that we're not asking super broad questions on this. Like, tell me about... The kingdom, you know, we're not we're not being really sweeping here because we don't have a lot of time. So these are all leading questions. You already know a lot of the details of the world and you're asking them to focus in on the pieces that you need to fill in and have them connect with for the collaboration. Right. So that's yep. kind of that, that is a key thing. And, and, and so you're being much more focused in your questions and then you will be much more focused in the collaboration and the answers that you get. Right. So technique-wise, you should probably seed a few of these questions early in the story, but you probably also won't have time to detail out an entire list of questions. Now, having said that, if you're like, I have very little time and you need to limit it to one set of questions, ask them how they're in the adventure just to, to revisit that. If you only have time for one thing, do that one. But since you don't have a session zero, and you may also be doing some kind of character gen for the start of the one shot, you know, whatever it is, your time is probably limited. So pick a few questions for the players to answer at the start and then get the game going. So you might ask one person a quick location. You might ask one person a quick thing about the opposition. You might ask one person a quick thing about like the uh, something about their background or the backgrounds mm-hmm. of a shared background of the group. And then based on that, get everybody's hooks Make them answer it so you know why they're invested and then get the game going, right? So you've got to kind of keep that a little bit limited. 
But having done that at the beginning of the game, Phil, why don't you tell us more about doing it in the middle of the game? Right. So now that you're mid-game, right, you can still use all of these same techniques that we just talked about at the beginning, but now you need to be a little more cognizant of your time, right? Collaborative efforts are always longer than just doing something solo. So depending on how your time management of this one shot is going, you need to be selective when doing this. Because at this point, by mid game and especially mid to end, end game mid like so the top of the big bad rising action <laughs> um, and just before the climax yes at that point you really want to be using more of the material you already established than establishing new material right so at this point this is we're past the part where we're doing large collaborative building because we did all of that at the start of the game yeah. In fact, in many cases, you're actually better off not doing too much collaborative world building at this stage, but really working on reincorporation. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to throw in an exception to that before I talk <laughs> further about reincorporation. And that exception is if you are an improv GM like me and you are not sure where something is going, how to use something, etc. need a new location for something because you didn't plan on it or have found yourself in a place you didn't plan on being and now need a description. Those are all ways that you can still source the table for that collaborative world building, ask specific questions so that you keep it really tight and focused still and, you know, keep going. Basically, ask them for the answers to how they want the rest of the session to go and then run it for them. That's how that works. <laughs> anyway... Yeah. But the key for the reincorporation is that you want to close all the loops on the stuff that you did at the beginning. So this is when you're taking the things that you created or established early in the game, and then you have to use them, like actually use them, right? So for instance, as the players discover the cult, they may find out that Uncle Thaddeus is the leader of the cult, right? Or dun, dun, dun. someone from one of the players' hometowns is part of the cult and like recognizes them and is like, you know... Something happens, either, you know, good or bad, like, oh, no, they're here to stop us, or, hey, what are you doing here, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, and, and if you are going to do some collaborative world building mid-game, again, use those really tight leading questions. Don't leave it wide open. So if it's somebody from the town recognizes you and you want to push it off to the player, you can be like, hey, Senda, when you turn around... The cultist looks at you and you totally remember them. Why did you leave them uh, in the middle of the prom? Yep. 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 Oh, boy. Right? Like, now, I now I mean, <laughs> I know my audience here, right? So I'm tossing uh -huh. you, like, the perfect... Yes, um, I love it. <laughs> right? The perfect question for that. But, again, if you're going to do these mid-game, because time is of the essence and... And I say this because time management, I think, is one of the hardest GMing skills to master. And so a lot of people, especially in one shots, wind up behind where they should be time wise. Mm -hmm. And this technique, while it is awesome, can sometimes slow down and you want to be just moving through the, you know, like you want to be like grooving through these sections. So, uh, again, deploy those really pointed leading questions that'll help speed things up yeah 
But I will go back and say that as you get towards the third act, right? So again, if I'm calling it the third act, right, I'm calling it like basically right before the climax and 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 then forward. Mm-hmm. By that point, you really want to just be into reincorporation. Yeah. So it pays off on the anticipation of the answer to an earlier question, right? Because now you get to reincorporate that cool thing that they were like, oh, cool side thing. And then you just tie it right in to the stuff that's going on and everybody goes, oh, yeah. And again, this goes back to um, this goes back to our brains love closed loops. Right. Yeah. So, you know, this is why Chekhov's gun exists. Right. If you put the gun on the mantle, like you have to go shoot the gun at some point. Right. So if I'm asking you a bunch of leading questions at the beginning of the session, my goal is to try to get them all worked in to the adventure. Now, my favorite exercise in this that I ever witnessed years before I became a improv game master was John Arcadian, who at the start of a game took a um, piece of butcher paper, put it down on the table to use as both his map and his notes for the game and asked everyone to just name random elements out loud, like with no connection, right? Mm -hmm. Like somebody's like, oh, in a theater and somebody's like... um, with fire, you know, like fireballs and like just <laughs> naming, like just named random elements. And then he proceeded for the rest of the game to just source that list and just spent the rest of the three hours reincorporating pieces from it. And when he reincorporated one, he would take his marker and cross it off the butcher sheet. <laughs> it was really good, right? Like I was at that point and not a improv GM and I was like in utter awe. Like I was like, I like what is even happening here, right? I know when we started recording this show, you were in awe that I could run a game off of a an index card, but you can yeah. do that too now. <laughs> I I I I spent my years the last four years like honing that skill. I know. I know. All right. It's very good. So, so what we're saying is in terms of pacing your game, right? Your early game, you should be building up a lot of potential. Ask leading questions, do collaborative world building, build up a little stockpile of material, right? Details, objectives, locations, challenges, things like that. And then in your late game, you should be all about paying them off, mm-hmm. right? Getting them reincorporated and just paying it off, paying it off paying it off yeah and when we talk about paying things off it is time to pay off the opening of the show by getting to the closing of the show right but before we do that i'm going to tell you about another show on the misdirected mark network on bonus experience ray and monica are two old friends exploring gameplay and design through the lens of diversity while also sharing some of the dumbest humor that gaming has to offer and also fizzy water A thing that I have bonded with them over frequently, because we are all aficionados. Yes. The fizzy water. Sparkly water. Say, Senda. Uh Uh-huh. Where do people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Much like Pterodactyl you, you can give us a topic for the show. Uh, ask us a question, postulate something for us to expand upon, throw some random words at us, whatever it is. Um, I'm pretty Hot crafty about making shows out of something. Raccoon carrots. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Don't. That's an, that's an April Fool's episode. Unfortunately, that one's passed. Um, 
But anyway, our chance to do hot pocket raccoon carrots. I don't know what to do now. Anyway, um, toss us out topics for the show. Look, we've been doing this for four years. I say it every week. We don't make up these topics ourselves. Uh, we get them from you, and uh, the only way we we can keep this show running is if you keep sending them. To be honest, I actually need to call the list uh, and delete most of it and start fresh. So please start thinking of your topics and get them out to us on any of the ways that Senda uh, mentioned about reaching us. It would be a big help. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider, um, if you can, supporting our Patreon campaign. Obviously, we recognize in these difficult times as people are being laid off and things like that that you do what you got to do but if if there is a way for you to support the patreon or you're currently supporting the patreon that that's wonderful thank you very much we um we really appreciate it the patreon campaign is what keeps the lights on here at misdirected mark headquarters hosting bandwidth gear hosts all of that stuff if you uh, support the Patreon, you get access to all sorts of great things. Come join us um, in the uh, Slack Room for Life. It is probably the biggest draw that we offer. It is full of awesome humans talking about really fun things. Right now, during our pandemic, we're having Friday luncheons where you can come uh, hang out on Zoom. And I'm um, starting to run asynchronous letter writing games via Slack. Yep. Yep, that's happening. That's happening in another Slack room. Yep, you can come play Minecraft with us if you're so inclined. Uh, that's a that's a thing we do enjoy. A number of us enjoy quite a bit. We also have the bonus outtakes from the show, the after show from Misdirected Mark. Occasionally, when we spin encoded designs back up to doing something other than weathering the uh, pandemic, we'll probably give some stuff away as well. Uh, so we like to do all those things. We also like to shout out to some of our patrons each episode. We can't shout out to all of them. It would take too long. But we find uh, three lovely patrons each episode to shout out to. Who are they this week? They are Kevin Lovecraft, the Royal Beard. Thanks, Kevin. Brantley Harris. Thank you so much, Brantley. And Jeff Stevens. Thanks, Jeff. Yes. Now, if you listen to us, you will love us. <laughs> Here we go again. That is our 2020. That is our 2020 marketing campaign. <laughs> And to further that goal, we need to get more people to listen to us. And the way more people listen to us uh, is how? Well, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show. And if we read them, like if you let us know where you left it so we can go read it, then they're like super happy making endorphin artistic validation pills. Right? So like... Thank you to everybody who's already left a review. We really do appreciate them a lot. They're lovely and you're lovely people. Yeah, they're they're delightful. We I mean, we really do like them. We actually if when we stumble upon one, we wind up texting each other. Like, oh my um, gosh. <laughs> yes. And texting each other and then we like come back and watch them and we're like, oh so sweet. Yeah. All right. Let's say Senda. How are you going to pick the world building questions for the start of your next one shot? This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got, hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got, hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got, hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got, hey. Show me what you got, hey. Bloopkey. Do I and, get to eat my brownie yet? Uh yeah, we can I want we can to well, eat my welcome brownie. to the welcome to the um 
the bonus outtakes or outtakes or the normal outtakes. I don't know where it's going to go. Depends we on which one. We can't presume. It's Depends not the regular show. More. It's not the regular show. You're eating a brownie? And I made chocolate brownies from scratch yesterday. Mm. They're very good. Sometimes I overcook them a little bit, but this time I got it perfect. I'm having there. a little chocolate love. Bloop. I ordered five more books today. Oh, I have a bag coming. You have a bag coming and you have a seat cushion coming. I do. I got a surprise today. I meant to talk about this earlier. Yeah. I got a gift today from Past Senda. Past Senda backed the Shinobi Gami Kickstarter. Right. And current Senda completely forgot that Past Senda went kind of all in and got the actual like hardcover print. It's funny. I forgot to tell you about it because I was, I saw somebody in the States post a picture of it on Twitter. And I was like, I kind of remember that you went like that you backed all the way through to a physical copy. Yeah. And I was going to mention it to you to keep your eye out for it. But I'm kind of glad now that I didn't. No, it was one of these like, I heard the guy come to the door. I heard the package delivery beep. And then I was like, oh, I got to go grab that at some point. But it's snowing and I don't have any socks on because I don't have a toenail. So, like, sticking my head outside is not always my faves. Um, And so, which, side note, best time to get a toenail removed would be lockdown when no one expects you to wear socks or shoes. It's a long period of time. You've been kind of fortunate for that. Oh, it's worked out really well. But anyway, so I was like, I heard the beep and then like I went out and I was like, there's a package. It's for me. It's not from Amazon. I have no idea what this is. I must have ordered something and forgotten about it. And I was like, this is a present from Past Senda. And then I opened it and I was like, it's Shinobi Gami. I'm so excited. It's been it's been a long time. I mean, they had some trials and tribulations. They had like a, a, a freaking tsunami and stuff, right? Yeah. Like. I'm impressed that they they saw it all the way through because we we had the PDF version, the full PDF version, which is why I was kind of like, oh, whatever, it's been fulfilled. Like I probably just backed the PDF because I do that a lot. Um, but no, no, I have a print copy of Shinobi Gummy, which I now need to read because a uh, damn, uh, that's a probably one that I could run for my peeps. Yeah, there you go. Bloop. I um, it's funny. I my big. Uh, purchase besides my uh, bag and my seat um, cushion coming is um, I bought a new coffee mug. So I'm, I know you've seen it because you've seen it on both Mistracted Mark and you see it when we record my um, silver mug with the red handle mm-hmm. um, is this like old Starbucks mug that my mom gave me. But the handle plastic that's on the plastic that makes up the handle Broke is breaking off. apart. Yes. And uh, it's not as much fun to hold anymore. So I got a nice... Um, I got a new shiny black travel coffee mug from Contigo. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same people make your um, your water true. bottle, right? Contigo. Yeah. So I got this like I, I got this cool thing. You'll see it on Misdirected Mark um, tomorrow because I'll bring I'll, I'll bring a coffee down for the recording. Um, but I, I like it a lot, and it's like I can clip it to my bag in a pinch. Um, anyway, it's well, cool. I mean, Look- tonight I am drinking out of the double clicks. Nice. I'm. Uh, I am sporting the um, Camelback Eddie um, sippy fair. cup, the giant sippy cup water. This is the one with the straw in the thing. Well, yeah, like my Contigo was my replacement for my Camelback that um, finally croaked and I 
couldn't like it was just way less expensive at the time to get this one but now this one has all of the stickers on it and i can't bear to be parted from it yes I, my other one that i have which because this eddie is not my travel one because this mm-hmm. one will leak um, yeah i know this one leaks too that's why nobody's seen this at conventions and stuff i have the shoot leaks two. on planes leaks on the plane yeah exactly i have the shoot two from uh camelback with the um the shoot two that has the magnetic top so when you unscrew the little thingy it actually like when you flip it back it sticks to the water bottle so it won't like hit you in the hit face you in and you don't face. have to hold it um but that thing never leaks and that okay. one um i can throw in my um and that yeah. one i can throw in my bag Bloop. we're 12 minutes in almost i know we gotta stop it's time to go we gotta, we're, we're talking nonsense i know about Listen, mugs. mugs you haven't even a- commented on my ears Listen, if I commented on every time you were on video with ears, like I, like we would have its own, it would have its own segment of the show. Would that be a bad thing? Also, now people think I don't normally have any ears. So I I, I said like, things with ears. Did you I say things clear. with ears? I things think you said ears. every time you're on the show with ears. No, I'm pretty sure you have ears every time you come on the show. I'm pretty sure that's not a thing that you, like, you forget as you're walking. Yeah, I'm like, oh, of- got to make sure I attach these ears. And why are head. you not in uniform? <laughs> that's a TikTok meme. Yes, All right. <laughs> Let's commence with the show. Good. The show. See, no one is going to be able to find you on TikTok because you didn't make your handle the thing that they'll find. No, the thing made it automatically for you me. You can I change know. it. Well, maybe I'll change it at some point. It should probably be Dinafil. DNA Phil. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. Meow. Okay. Meow. Meow. Cue music. <laughs> not so Deja, not so <laughs> What? <laughs> do, do. Oh boy, you're gonna fuck me up on this point, aren't you? Hey, see, you did I do it right? Yeah, yeah, good job. Head pats (laughs) with my ears. Yes. Okay, moving right along. (laughs) We gotta get this pot. We gotta get this podcast restarted. Yes. That's. This podcast has been in lockdown too long. We need to get it restarted right oh, now. Boy, <laughs> I'll get it restarted. I have yep. ultimate authority. Yeah, That's... yeah. No, <laughs> if I don't edit it, it doesn't start. It doesn't go. It doesn't matter what you say. You make as many notes as you want. <laughs> okay, shh, shh. we gotta get the show restarted. Okay, <laughs> you're gonna be crying when you have to edit this. I'm already crying. <laughs> All right, stop. Bloop. So, pterodactyl, you. Pterodactyl. Pterodactyl. So. I don't even know if I can put this in the bonus outtakes. Oh, I feel like it can go in the bonus outtakes. Okay, good. That is actually one of my, um, that's one of my favorite album titles. Hot Packet Raccoon Carrots? Yeah. Yeah. Was that Vent Magnetic? Vent Magnetic. You're right. Okay, cool. Dead on. Look at you. (laughs) Um, Show me what you got. Show me show me what you got. Show, Show me, me what, what you, you got. got. Show me what you got. Look at that, 43 minutes. That's I know, I was super duper excited about that. And I think that part of the answer is it's going to be relationship building questions between angels because I'm pretty sure the next game 
well, I'm probably not going to run it. Wen's probably going to run it because he's played it before. But they pretty sure the next game that we're going to play is Are You There, God? It's the quarterly earnings report. Yeah. I think you should, um, I think you should ask the following questions. Um, you should just, and these are open questions for people to yell out people's names. Like, mm-hmm. like have everyone describe their characters and then be like, which one of you is the biggest sinner? <laughs> Right. Which one of you is which one of you is God's suck up? Right. Like, like you should just, you know, like just, just which one of you always just repeats what everybody else just said, but says it with slightly different words to make it sound like it's your idea. Yeah. Yeah. You should just actually what you should do is come up with questions based on the worst. Um, the worst office, office stereotypes. Yes. Is the thing. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Which one of you is the micromanager? Yep. Which one of you? <laughs> um. Which one of you um, always forgets to prepare for the meeting? <laughs> like, which one of you? Which one of you arrives to the meeting on their scooter? <laughs> <laughs> like, which one of you has the work from home pet that's just like constantly like in the face? There's like some face. cherub, some like cherub sticking. Yeah, you should definitely that add that as fun. the questions. Although I have you yeah. have to be careful because like the, the 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 special powers that you get are things like quote forgetting to mute your mic and like oops my camera went off for a little while. Those are like actually angel powers, which is Yeah, no amazing. no, that's fine, but I mean the, the those those um those awful office well, stereotypes right, but are like, just so, gold. So you can't be like the person who forgets to mute their mic always or no, like no, no, the one but you got to be internet. like like one of like so one of these angels is the disruptor bro. <laughs> right? Like like everybody else is like, you know, old fashioned and doing it wrong. Disruptor bro knows how to bring in like the prayers. Right. Yeah, you know. Um you've got like then, you know, you got to have that one. You got to have the grizzled vet uh-huh. who's so jaded nothing works. Nothing like, works. Oh, you think that you think you think that hasn't been tried before? 1840 through 1880. Totally tried that. Nothing. Didn't work. Right. Yeah, I mean, it these didn't are the, work, okay? <laughs> you got to have like the, um, you got to have the angel who's got like a side job. Oh my gosh. I Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm, yeah, I've worked with all of these people at various Yeah, that's what I'm saying, life. right? Disruptor, 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 disruptor bro is, <laughs> I would play that angel in like 10 <laughs> seconds. Oh Wait. boy. Oh, you got to have another one who's like, which angel is nothing but workplace jargon. Yeah. Oh my God. Who? Yeah. Which angel communicates in nothing but buzzwords? <laughs> right. Like what we're gonna have to do here is synergize our processes, <laughs> get some downline prayers moving. You know, moving forward in a in a just in time manner for fulfillment. <laughs> wow. What are you doing Thursday night? <laughs> I'm uh, running DCC. All right. <laughs> your, your game group and mine are on the same night. It's nights. true. It's true. You I will know. never play with us. And it's too bad because this is your opportunity because we're all remote anyway. <laughs> I know. Anyway. I'm sorry. It's okay. All right. Bloop. Anyway. We should wrap um, this up because we were at we should 45 say minutes now. and now we're not. <laughs> I know, but there were many laughs in here. Yes, it's good. Can you say goodbye? All right. Bye. Bye. And stop. Yeah.